630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Rishot saves Talbot. Rebounds out of the blue paint. Rishot Martinez saves Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds. Rishot Martinez save made by Cam Talbot. To the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. There's the snap. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. There's your touchdown, Eskimos. 57 yards to the end zone. Riley gets the ball and throws it up to the left side to Darrell Walker. He's at the five, cutting to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Riley drops back into his end zone about five yards. Now he unleashes downfield, and that is complete. Oh, big gainer. Look at Darrell Walker go down the field. He's at the 20. 10-5. Touchdown, Eskimos. What a way to start the game. The Eskimos score first on a ball. Riley to Darrell Walker. He is back in green and gold. The man who thrilled you for the last couple of seasons. Receiver Darrell Walker signing with the Eskimos today shortly after being released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. His stats are eye-popping. He played only 12 games in 2015. He had over 1,100 yards receiving. He played all 18 games last year just short of 1,600 yards receiving in 2015. He was the CFL's most outstanding rookie. He helped the Eskimos win the Grey Cup. And man, oh man, what a situation for him to come back. What timing for him to come back right as the Eskimos go into the Labor Day rematch as they try to snap a three-game losing streak. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Man, we have a lot to cover tonight. You're going to hear from a couple of members of your Edmonton Oilers, Milan Lucic and Drake Kajula. Had a couple of very interesting interviews with them today after the Oilers had a skate on the community rink in Ice District, and uh, Lucic actually is going to be at that special screening of Ice Guardians next week to benefit uh, Dave Semenko's family. So we'll talk a little bit about that and his thoughts on that very fine film about the role of enforcers in hockey. There is good news on the injury front for the Eskimos. Finally, we're seeing some guys ready to come back. I'll give you those details as we move along tonight. But first, our Dave Campbell with the Eskimos number 87, Darrell Walker. Happy to be back, man. The weather's beautiful. It's not cold yet, so, you know, we're ready to get this thing rolling. <laughs> we're having a rare uh, warm September, but we'll take warm Septembers any, at any point. But you know the weather's going to change uh, up here in Canada real soon, and that means uh, you'll be a part of it. You're back when the games are going to get more more important starts well it started already but you're gonna get back in the mix on Saturday oh yeah man I'm just ready to get going um getting the plays back down it's starting to come a lot faster than I expected so that's a great thing um just going to continue to you know prepare myself for this week um game plan wise and you know just getting back adjusted with you know this game up here how it's done how it's played um but man I'm looking forward to it you got the physical tools obviously coming back in that's no problem but is it like you said learning the playbook again the mental game um was it like riding a bike at some points or is there definitely some changes 
Uh, it's, it's like riding, it's about, it's like riding a bike actually, yeah. or going skating, skating again, you know, for the first <laughs> time after years and years. But, uh, you know, I'm just getting back into that groove. Um, got a lot of, you know, this receiving card here is, is, is the best in the league. You ask me. Um, mm-hmm. so we got, we, we gonna communicate and we gonna get everything going. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good week. Uh, the uh, disappointment I'm making the uh, the NFL uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, how easy or difficult is it going to be to shelve that disappointment and get yourself ready to you know make another run of the Great Cup? Uh, man, I'm, I'm way past that already. You mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm just glad and thankful that I'm blessed and have the opportunity to come back and play some more football. You know, mm-hmm. and not just sitting at home, sitting around. So, you know, I'm just I thank God, you know, for this opportunity. And you know, like I said, I'm ready to get to work. Uh, coming in here, it's obviously seamless for you because not just the playbook and your physical skills, but you know a lot of people on this team, especially on offense. You know, from the quarterback down to the receivers, right. must have been nice to see thirteen and four again in '83 and all those guys. I'm talking Riley, Moman, and Zilstra. Oh man, most definitely. Uh, you know, some of my close close friends. You know, we was here last year all together, pretty tight knit. But you know, this that's the thing about this team. The whole team is close. The whole team is cool. You know, uh, I love all my brothers out here, man. I'm ready to go to war for. Ready to go to war. I'm happy to be back. We're going to get this thing going. What's it like losing to the Calgary Stampeders? It's impactful. <laughs> it's impactful on you, you know. It's, it's, but it's part of the game. You win some, you lose some. It's just you're going to get up and get ready and go play that game for sure if you're playing against Calgary. You know, that's a rival game for sure, you know. And we got them first game back. I got them first game back home. So, you know, I'm looking forward. You know, they're having a great season, you know. Uh, the Eskimos, we've been having a great season. Prior to my arrival, but prior to my arrival, but man, you know, just ready to strap it on and you know, just go out there and play, have fun. I mean, this team's done a good job. I mean, it's a three-game losing streak, but they got seven wins. It's not like last year where, you know, you were scrambling from the game, you know, game 13 on. But you got to break this three-game losing streak. You can't, you can't lose four games right. in a row in, in a football season, right? Yeah, most definitely. And, and you know, we're we're aiming that direction of you know, you know, one week at a time, you know, one game at a time. So you know, we're focused on this game. Saturday. Come Saturday, we'll be ready and ready to play. So there's Darrell Walker, and he will play on Saturday against the Calgary Stampeders. We have the game for you on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 7. So this means Kenny Stafford expected to come out of the lineup. The, the way they looked at practice today, you had Duke Williams and Darrell Walker as the wideouts in the slots. You had Bowman, Watson, and Zilstra. Chambers expected to dress as well. And don't forget you have Bryant Mitchell sitting around as well. So you do have a, a wealth of talent at receiver. But, this I mean, this is going to help. I mean, Bowman, uh, you know, back from injury, hasn't been explosive. Zilstra is clearly the Eskimos' number one threat. I think he and Walker can be a 1-1A, and, one and I'm, I'm not even sure who I would put ahead of the other right now because I think Walker can jump in and contribute. The other news for the Eskimos, and I think this is a big positive, you got Euclid Cummings ready to come back on the D-line, you got Daquan Bowers ready to come back on the D-line, and possibly Phillip Hunt as well, so they can go through that rotation with the front four, hopefully get some more pressure on the quarterback. That was really a key for the Eskimos when they put together that seven-game winning streak. Haven't seen as much of it over the last couple of weeks, even three weeks. Nichols uh, Glenn and Bo Levi Mitchell looking pretty comfortable back there. So you hope the D-line can step up the pressure because there are still obviously some injury issues at linebacker and in the secondary. Trayvon Van at running back has a week left on the six-game injured list, but he's an option down the road. And uh, Neil King at safety back at practice, he still has one week left on the six-game injured list uh, too. But getting some more experienced players back 
hopefully going to help the Eskimos as we move along. Not No, not all those guys coming back for Saturday, and they're playing the best team in the league, but it's good to have some reinforcements coming along. Quarterback Mike Riley, glad to have Darrell Walker back. Because I know the type of talent that he is, um, you know, I was first shocked that he didn't, you know, get either a better opportunity or didn't stick uh, with the first team that he was with. But I also have been through four NFL teams, and I understand that it's more a matter of right place at the right time to get the type of opportunity that you need. And so uh, you can chase those dreams around for a while, and you may never get the right opportunity, and you may get it on the first try, or it could be somewhere in between. So um, for a guy like him, he's he's a talent. He wants to play football. He wants to be on the field, and uh, he knows this is a place where he's going to get that opportunity, of course, and be a part of something special. So, um, you know, I was surprised that he, he didn't, stick right away um, but at the same time I know what it's like when you feel like you're ready to play and you want to be on the field um, and you have the opportunity to do it you're going to take that chance. What kind of a luxury is that for you having just another target of, of that caliber? Yeah I mean Darrell's proven over the last two years what type of talent that he is and again he's a guy that we have a comfort level with right away it's not like a guy has to come in and learn the system from scratch like I said at the very beginning, there's going to be things that he has to get caught up on for sure because we've we've been adapting our offense. Um, you know, but in terms of timing with me, uh, timing with the other receivers that are on the field, um, you know, Duke's probably the only guy that he hasn't played with, and uh, and they were making a lot of comparisons between those two guys when when the season started out. So they're they're gonna they're gonna work together very very well. Um, but you know, it's it's nice to have him back in the fold. What kind of expectations can you put on him for, for one week after a couple of practices? Well, I always have high expectations for anybody that's on the field, um, regardless of the situation. But uh, for a guy like him, again, who's had a tremendous amount of success um, and who's played a lot of football with us, uh, you know, I expect him to, to be ready to go right away. I mean, it's not like he's been sitting around on a couch for the last six months. He's been in NFL training camp. Uh, he's in good shape. He's conditioned. He's been catching a ton of footballs. He's been practicing every day. It's not like he was just sitting around on an injured list or something something like that. So uh, he's ready to play football. It's just a matter of making sure that he's comfortable with the ready list for the game. I don't know how much you need this, but I mean, the Darius back last week, Darrell back now, your comfort level when you're dropping back must increase because of that. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, again, we've played a lot of football together. Um, you know, me and Darius for five years and me and Darrell for the last two years, those are guys that uh, have historically always been there to make the plays when we need them. And they're guys that, uh, you know, you look to, uh, you know, when there's big situations, but at the same time, our other guys have done a tremendous job so far as well so we really don't have a weak link um, you know and that's a nice luxury to have I don't think that teams are going to be able to key on one side of the football you know in the past if if you were pushing defenders towards uh, Durrell and Adarius um, you know you didn't have to worry about Zilstra and Duke um, you know on the wide side of the field and so that's obviously a combination that's going to make teams nervous and Corey's obviously proven that when he gets the ball in his hands he can make things happen too. You seem to be putting teams in a position to pick their poison. Yeah that's that's what we want to do. You know, that's we want to be as dynamic as possible. Um, you know, and, and early in the season, uh, we definitely had a good mix of that, and then we had some injuries, and and uh, you know, we still were able to maintain that for the most part. Like I said, guys stepped up and did a great job. Um, so now it's more a matter of we just it's like an embarrassment of riches. You know, we just have a ton of talent at that wide receiver position. That's a great problem to have. You a couple of years ago, I think Matt O'Donnell came back at the same time. Uh, yeah, Darrell this week. How much, especially during this week and a short week and a real emotional week, is some fresh legs, some fresh guys around the team? How much does that help? Yeah, it's definitely helpful. There's no doubt. Um, you know, this is you're you're in the mid stretch of the season right now. You know, again, we're what ten games into this thing, and uh, for a lot of the younger guys, their seasons don't go past. 
10 games, you know, in the college level. So this is really where, um, you know, you get your medal tested. And uh, and especially with our situation of coming out of the gates hot and then being in a bit of a, a slump three-game stretch here that we've lost, you know, that's, that's a mental toughness test for every individual on our team and, and for us collectively as a group. And, uh, you know, I know that we're capable of fighting through that. And that's that's something that in the end is going to make us a better team later in the year. Um, when you got to go through some adversity, you find out what type of person you are, you find out what type of team you are, and, um, you know, you, you find out how you're going to battle through things. And it just gets tougher later in the year. There's Mike Riley ready to go, ready to bounce back from a couple of tough outings, and he'll have a welcome target a familiar target back in the lineup the Eskimos bringing Darrell Walker back you'll hear from head coach Jason Moss GM Brock Sunderland as we move along tonight we'll uh, shift focus to the Oilers who are on the ice at Rogers Place most of them anyway Milan Lucic when we get back This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630Chet. You can always get the latest on 630Chet.com. You'll find a story there on Darrell Walker coming back to the Edmonton Eskimos. Many Edmonton Oilers are back in town getting ready for training camp, which will start next week. Milan Lucic. Winger going into his second year with the Oilers. He's back from his summer off. It was good. Uh, you know, got uh, got enough rest, uh, but for a fun-filled summer uh, with the family. Uh, definitely happy to be back here in Edmonton and ready to get back at it. Are you a playoff watcher once you guys were eliminated, or did you did you put hockey aside for a couple weeks? Well, uh, actually, in my summer house, because uh, I have young kids, we actually didn't get cable this summer. So we just watched Apple TV and Netflix. So I did a lot of Disney watching and, and, all that, and a lot of documentary watching on Netflix. So I didn't watch much hockey at all, actually, and I didn't watch much. Uh, usually I tune into the basketball finals as well and I didn't tune into much sports uh, this off season so I really got my mind off of things dare I ask your favorite Disney character after a full summer <laughs> well I have two <laughs> girls so I had to watch a lot of the girly ones but uh, uh, you know we went to the theaters and watched the new Despicable Me 3 uh, I thought that was a pretty good one uh, yeah so that was the one that we saw in theaters that I that I enjoyed probably the toughest question I'll ask you all season was that one uh, yeah. <laughs> Next week, um, there's a special screening of Ice Guardians uh, to benefit the the Semenko family. Of course, Dave passed away a couple of months ago. Just maybe, first of all, you know, just your impressions of that movie. I mean, I've interviewed the producer, Adam Scorgi, a few times. Your impressions of that film and why it's important. Yeah, I got to watch it once uh, uh, this summer. Uh, I, I really liked it because it gave a perspective of, of uh, what those players in that role went through and, and kind of... The, the day in the life of uh, guys like that and uh, you know sometimes uh, there ought to people tend to think that they're the dum-dums and uh, you know not not smart people but when you get to know them and see them like you do in that film you realize that they're normal people like every other people every other person and most of the time they're they're actually some of the most intelligent people you meet as well but uh you know, for myself, obviously, I was too young and not even born yet when uh, Dave was playing here in Edmonton. But obviously, heard a lot of a lot about him. Obviously, know knew what his role was in protect, protecting the great one here uh, when he was a part of those uh, cup-winning teams. But obviously, unfortunate death, uh, sudden death, and passing uh, for him and the family. Uh, but you know, I think it, it'll be a, a great thing to kind of. 
uh, have that movie and, and a kind of a celebration for him, another celebration for him here uh, before we get started in camp. I mean, there is less fighting in hockey than maybe there was in the 70s and 80s, even early 90s. And I know there's always talk, well, is it going to go away? Is it, is it going to be barred from the game game one day? But it always seems to be around. So, I mean, you you can score goals, but you can play that physical and roll and fight too at times. So, I mean, you must see that as, as an integral part, and that intimidation is something that isn't going to disappear from the game. Yeah, and, and I believe in, you know, the players policing themselves. You know, uh, if you start taking away a uh, player's ability to police themselves, you know, I, I feel like cheap, cheap shots and dirty plays tend to go up. And uh, a part of that movie, which I really enjoyed, was the last 20, 25 minutes when they talked about concussions in hockey and, and really only 3 to 5% of concussions come from fighting when the other 97% actually comes because the game got faster, the equipment got better, so players aren't as scared to get hurt, uh, you know, hit, uh, making a hit or, or stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I hope that it stays a part of the game, like I said, because I feel like it, it keeps players in check and, uh, you know, having that fear of, of, uh, of uh, you know, I guess retaliation when you do something out of line or, or dirty or cheap is a good thing to have in, guy, in the back of guys' mind. And, uh, you know, even for guys like myself, if I step over the line, you know, I always feel like it's the honorable thing to answer to the bell the right way. And uh, I hope, I hope uh, that, it, that it stays in the game. Milan Lucic, big fan of the fine film. Produced by Edmontonian Adam Scorgi. It's called Ice Guardians. It's showing September 12th at the Rec Room. We'll have Drake Kajula later on. We're going to meet an Invictus Games athlete when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Rain in Boston. Jays trailing the Red Sox 3-1 in the fourth. We'll keep you updated on that one. The Calgary Flames have signed forward Sam Bennett to a two-year contract worth $1.95 million per season. Here in Edmonton, Darrell Walker, star receiver, back with the Eskimos. Here's head coach Jason Moss. Yeah, no, it's great to have him back. It was unexpected, but uh, obviously certainly happy he chose to come back to us. There's always room on the roster for a caliber receiver like him, isn't there? No question. I mean, uh, you know, he is what he is, and we all remember very well what he's capable of, and like I said, it wasn't totally unexpected to, to get him here, but very thankful and grateful that it's happened. It's our job to get him ready this week. How do he look today? He looked fine. I mean, uh, he looks like an old Durrell, so just a matter of us you know, getting him mentally prepared to play, if we can, as quickly as, as this turnaround is. So, you know, he's got to do his part, but uh, you feel like there's a good chance that he'll be able to line up. There's also the, uh, the, 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 the when you talk about the mental turnaround, I mean, he just had a real big disappointment. So how confident are you that he can wrap his head around what he's doing here? I don't, not worried about uh, Darrell's mental state of whether he's happy or not. I think he's thrilled to be up here playing for us again. I think uh, that takes this thing away from being let go. Anytime you're wanted by an organization, uh, I think that helps matters. It's not like he's at home not doing anything. He's up here playing ball, doing something he loves to do, and we're one of his extended families, and uh, obviously welcome him back with open arms. All right, and more on the big signing on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins, thanks a lot for tuning into Inside Sports. Also remember, additional tickets released for all Oilers home games tomorrow at 10 a.m. Here's a reminder, they're probably going to sell very quickly.
So you can go to EdmontonOilers.com or the Oilers mobile app to try to get your hands on those. Reed Wilkins coming to you. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It is 6.36. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Drake Kajula coming up. Kevin Carries is going to be in studio. we got a great story about a, a former Hamilton Tiger Cats coach who is driving John Chick's stuff across the country. But I'm pleased to welcome in studio Sergeant Lauren Ford. Lauren, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing very well. And uh, thanks a lot for coming in tonight. We really, we really appreciate it. And, and Lauren, the reason we're having you in, uh, I mean, you have an incredible story to tell. I think you have a story that's going to be emotional for a lot of people. And you're going to be competing in the Invictus Games uh, in Toronto starting September 23rd. And for people who aren't familiar, uh, I guess the summary is this is for, you know, wounded and injured soldiers from a variety of countries? Correct. There's going to be 17 countries participating um, in Toronto. And it's uh, mainly... Not mainly. It is uh, for all the soldiers that have been wounded, either physically or non-physically, that have um, physical injuries or non-visible injuries. Now, I want to get into uh, more about the games, what you're looking forward to from the experience, and specifically the sports you're going to be in and how you've been training and how you expect the competitions to go. But, but I want to give people the background uh, of your story as well. This, this was, You were injured. This was 2002 uh, the Tarnak Farm incident, uh, and, and just maybe refresh me. I'm sure if that didn't ring a bell, I'm sure, un- unfortunately, once you start talking about it, people remember, because that was a tough day, obviously a really tough day for you, uh, and that w- this was some friendly fire. Take us through what you remember from that day. Yeah, it was a live fire uh, night exercise we were doing, which has been done before. Uh, the American pilots were flying over, saw a flash, and one of them decided ill-advised to drop a bomb on us and that night we lost four guys um total of eight injured including myself and yeah the big the big significance to take away from that is that we lost four great soldiers that night yeah i mean you you experience something like that i mean is it and i appreciate you talking about it but i mean do you recollect that moment where you realized okay, something has, has gone wrong. Do you remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm injured? I mean, what was going on in the, in the seconds that was happening? Yeah, the heat, everything that knocked me back, I knew I was hurt pretty bad. It was dark, obviously. It was, it was pitch black, so I couldn't tell. I knew I had a lot of blood on my hand from my leg. I, I knew nothing was wrong with my eye. Um, there was a lot of chaos going on. Nobody knew what really happened. If it was an IED, there was many... You know, people speculating what happened, but you know, eventually when they knew it was more or less safe to, you know, they were on us very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my friends were on or were on me pretty quick, and then the medic showed up, DLB, and they did some very excellent work for me. Um, I'd lost a lot of blood, and it was it was all about staying alive and breathing, and then, you know, finding out that night that I I was pretty sure one of my troops had been killed was, you know, one of the worst feelings I've ever had. Yeah. Physically, uh, first, uh, just tell people what your your injuries uh, were and maybe some of the recovery that's that's been involved. Well, through the through the blast injury itself, uh, waking up in Germany, there was something wrong with my eye, which eventually had to be removed. Mm-hmm. So I have a fake eye. I have soft tissue damage to uh, my left leg, with severe nerve damage too. So I, I I limp, but I pretty much I mean except for. A, Part of, a small part of my leg, I have, you know, my whole leg. Uh, I, I limp, but that's, again, it, my injuries are very minor compared to what happened that night. You know, four guys didn't come back. So I'm, I'm good with it. I've been good 
with it for 15 years now. And you're still serving, we should add. Correct. So, yeah. Um, it's all, it, the military was always something I was going to do, and I, I, I couldn't, well, just like that night, there was no quitting. I wanted to keep, you know, throwing guys out of planes and doing my job and doing what I could do. And the Army and my unit absolutely helped me do that. And I was, you know, I'm very grateful for that because I, I, I still love what I do. I still love going in to work in the morning. Uh, so, it, uh, again, it reverts back to really not quitting and, and, you know, carrying on and being positive and optimistic. And that leads into my next question uh, about the mental and emotional recovery. I mean, that's that's a traumatic incident. You, as you mentioned, you lost people you knew, other people you knew were injured. Um, you know, it was a situation where you weren't expected to be an, act, an actual violent or, or dangerous situation. You know, how, how have you sort of uh, worked through that? I mean, people throw around the term PTSD a lot these days, but it's a, you know, it's a very real thing. Did, did you experience that, or what's, what's been that re- side of the recovery like? No, not, not me. I mean, I've uh, haven't really talked to anybody anybody about it except you know my friends. But uh, I don't have PTSD, mm-hmm. and I, I really believe where I served before I went overseas helped uh, get me through what happened afterwards. Being very positive, never quitting, looking at the positive side of things no matter what happens. And I think I did that from the beginning. There was a lot of dark days there was a lot of times that you think you know the guilt feeling that you have which is you can't explain you know I lost one of my guys thinking that I could have done something but you can't change the fact that you have these feelings of guilt Um, well pretty much because you survived and they didn't and and that passes I think through time but you still think you know of that night once in a while it's not every day I mean I like to we have a wall of honor where we've lost a lot of guys in the third battalion and you go by and you just kind of look and, and think about them. And then also friends that didn't come back, you know, after that, we lost many guys. So mentally, uh, again, I really credit the unit that I was in, which was the Airborne Regiment, that there was a no give up, no, no quitting attitude. And I believe I've maintained that, you know, that mental state fairly well even through all the hospitalization and then getting out and and realizing what my limitations were now that I was never going to lead troops in battle ever again and that's fine that's that's a hard obstacle to overcome knowing you know that's what I you know believe I was going to join since I was 13 so right. it was a calling for me and knowing that I couldn't do that anymore but then you have to realize what you're good at and you do the best that you can at that job. I, 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 we're going to get to what's coming up for you at the Invictus Games, but I want to ask you just one more looking back. And you just said, I, I knew since I was 13 I was going to join. And when we were talking off air, you mentioned you, you joined when you were 18. How did you know? What was the draw? Why, why did you know? No idea. I was in, well, I was in cadets, and it was something that it just, um, it's what I wanted to do. Uh, reading books, I read a lot of books. I still read every day. Mm-hmm. Military books, history books. Uh, nobody in my f- uh, my family was really in the military. My step grandfather was, but you know, 16. I did a camp. I saw my first jump in Petawawa when I was 16. I said, "That's what I'm going to do." Just those things. You, you don't explain why, but it was such a love of it. Watching guys jumping out of a plane. I said, "I'm going to be doing that." And three years later, I was on my course. So, and then went to the Airborne and and fulfilled, you know, pretty much all my dreams I ever wanted to do in the military. Um, I think the best rank was a sergeant. 
I'm still a sergeant, so maybe that was right. overreaching, but still, that's okay. Um, I've really completed so much that I put my mind out to do. So I'm very fortunate and happy the way my career's gone. Sergeant Lauren Ford is in studio. Lauren, can you stick around? Because we want to tell people what you're going to be doing. I want to find out a little, a little more about indoor rowing and wheelchair rugby because that's what you're competing in and just what you're expecting from the Invictus Games as well. We're going to be back with Lauren Ford, Inside Sports on Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, on Friday at 5 p.m., we'll have a live hockey broadcast from the annual Young Stars Tournament in Penticton. The Oilers against the Flames. Saturday night, we'll start at 5.30, kickoff at 7. Eskimos home to the Stampeders. A lot of live sports coming up for you here on 630. Chet, my name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports. Sergeant Lauren Ford is in studio. He was just uh, outlining uh, uh, his injuries in 2002 in the tournament. Farm incident and uh, some of the stuff he's been dealing with, and now you're raring to go. Uh, you're going into the Invictus Games in Toronto, September 23rd to 30th. So you're doing indoor rowing and wheelchair rugby. Now I have uh, I've seen wheelchair rugby in the past, but let's start with uh, with indoor rowing. How, how does this how how does the sport work? First of all, for the Invictus Games, the indoor rowing is going to have two events. So there's a one minute sprint mm-hmm. and a four minute. You can't really sprint for four minutes, but you have to have a little bit of a game plan for the four minute. Okay. The one minute's all out, and they're all all the rowers are um, looped together, and it's very simple. Whoever rows the most uh, meters in that time, so you're on that's the how machines that measure your virtual distance. Correct. Basically, they're called ergs, like the 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 C two rower is the one that we're using. So it's just a rowing machine you might see in your gym. And rowers are generally considered among the fittest athletes in the sporting world, are they not? Just because of the the motion and the lung capacity. Well, required? it's an all body workout. Right. I mean, I mean, everything uses the core, but arms, back, legs, cardio. It's. Um, I think it's one of the best rated cardio equipment too, because it does work everything. When did you get into that? Actually, I started rowing in around '07. Uh, after you know my injury and I was doing other things, you know, swimming and everything because I don't run. Mm-hmm. So there was other things, biking. But uh, one of the officers actually got me into the rowing. And uh, ever since I first got on it, I just loved it. Back then, my technique was horrific. And I found that out from my coach <laughs> in the Victoria camp that we did. But I thought I was pretty good, but I could have been a lot better. But she sorted me out, so... All right, and you're also going to be on the Canadian wheelchair rugby team. Uh, I've covered this sport in the past. It is 100% entertaining, and it is uh, it's extremely physical. Like you can't be uh, you can't be afraid of a lot of contact if you're going to do wheelchair rugby. No, it's it is probably one of the most fun sports I've done in the last 10 to 15, maybe even before I got injured. It really is. So, yeah, there's a lot of banging. There's a lot more strategy than I ever thought there would be. I've, I played rugby before I was injured, and it really has nothing to do with rugby. So you don't throw it behind. It's more like a hockey, really. It's four-on-four, four, yeah. uh, defensive chairs and offensive chairs. You know, a lot of picks, a lot of turnovers, a lot of scoring. It is exciting. It's really exciting. And it's just, it's a blast to play. 
It is so much fun to play. I remember when I when I watched it, I, I remember thinking it's kind of a combination of hockey, basketball, and, and rugby. Because like you said, with right. the, there's a lot of picking out of basketball and setting screens. Absolutely. And then, you know, there's the, the kind of the physicality and the, the, the battle aspect of hockey, you know, where you got to be able to go win your little one-on-one part of the floor, right? Yeah, 100%. It, there's a lot more rules than I had even thought. But, you know, growing up with sports, you can adjust to that and become accustomed to it pretty quick. So, and we have a great coach who's on the actual, the national, Canadian national team that's in a competition right now. And they've, they're 4-0. So he's one of our, he is our coach, Michael, and he's, he's, he's an amazing coach. So he's, he's got us going in two camps. We've only had two camps together. Okay. And there's 12 of us on the team. Again, it's four on four. So there'll be a lot of switching around. Yep. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, we get to play New Zealand, so we get to play the All Blacks and <laughs> oh, in wheelchair rugby. We, they did our pool, so we know what pool we're in. That's going to be—it's going to be very exciting. Sergeant Lauren Ford joining us on Inside Sports. You're going to the Invictus Games. Uh, this is the third Invictus Games. They're in Toronto. Uh, I mean, uh, you mentioned 17 nations, uh, all you know, soldiers who have suffered you know some sort of injury, and you said it could be mental or physical. Just once you're there, and I know you're, you know, you want to compete, you want to do well, but are you expecting maybe a sense of, I don't know, you know, would camaraderie be the right word? I imagine it's probably going to be pretty emotional on top of the the sporting aspect to it. Absolutely, the teammates, not just on our team Canada ourselves, and we have ninety terrific people, terrific athletes, uh, with many uh, wide ranging issues, physical, non physical injuries, and. It's it's very emotional. Even the camps were emotional. I I think when we get to the games, I'm pretty sure across the countries when you're competing, the emotions are going to be on such a roller coaster. Uh, there's going to be crying. There's going to be a lot of hugging. There's going to be a lot of congratulating people because you have to realize the people what that are suffering from PTSD, they some of them don't like crowds and they're it's going to be crowded. So they're battling. You know, demons that I really actually have no idea about. I, all I do is deal with my physical, you know, the little physical tiny injuries that I have, and they're really not that bad. So I consider myself very lucky compared to a lot of the, the athletes that I'm going to be seeing. So, you know, when my boys, because I get to bring my boys and they're going to witness something that they'll never forget about how hard these athletes have trained. Many of them want to win. Many of them just want to compete and feel a part of something again that they used to when they were in the military or whatever. So, And that is a huge healing process for them. So their results actually, f- for many, many athletes, are not even going to matter. They don't care. It's, it's a healing process. And for them just to step into the pool or the biking, wheelchair, basketball, doesn't matter what they're doing, for them just to, to get through those hurdles and do it and complete it, that's a huge accomplishment that so many people don't realize what they have to go through. So that's inspirational for me. It's I see these people that are really dealing with something I have no understanding about. I've got a lot of friends that, yeah, we talk about things, but I, I haven't had to go through that. I've just had to deal with my own little issues. And, you know, there's double amputees. There's so much, you know, with nerve damage. And they're going to be, you know, competing their ass off just, just to do really well. And... They haven't let things get them down. You see them. We joke. We call each other names like we used to before we got hurt, and that's all part of it. That's being part of a brotherhood that, you know, some, well, unless you've served, you really don't understand it. And we have a tighter bond because we've all gone through something traumatic. So 
the support that we're going to have for each other and the other countries, not just with our Canadian athletes, it's going to be such an emotional roller coaster. By the end of it, you're going to be, you know, um, you're probably going to be drained. Um, but it's going to be a good feeling. It's not, there's nothing negative about it, at least from my side. It's going to be something that I'll remember the rest of my life. My boys will remember. And regardless of how, I, I'm very competitive. I want to win. Uh, but that's one of my goals, and we'll we'll see how it goes. As long as I get a personal record that day, and I know that I've done my best, then then I'm happy and I'm good to go. Lauren, well said. All the best at the Invictus Games. Thanks for sharing your story, and that was an incredible perspective of why the games are important. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chad. 6:30, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad.